This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 43-inch. On this week's episode, we interview the author of the forthcoming book about Weird Al called Weird Al Seriously, it's Lily Hirsch! It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Welcome back, Dave. I hope you had a nice time in Las Vegas. I hope you had some nice time away from the podcast. As you may have noticed, we kept your golden throne warm. Frank did sit there while he painted my toenails. And, you know, I was wondering, though, was there anything Al-related on your trip to Vegas? Oh, I was wondering whose toenail clippings these were. Well, into the collection they go. Thank you, Ethan. It was great. I had a wonderful time. And thank you, Frank, for making sure my throne was nicely polished when I got back. I did do a few hour related things when we got there. Actually, you know what? Within a couple hours of Jack and I getting there, we were walking around and we ran into a random guy playing an accordion on one of the pedestrian bridges. It was really cool. I took a picture with him and we posted it over on the Facebook group. If anyone wants to go check that out. It was a lot of fun actually being out there. I love, I, I think our friend Zeb wrote, Ethan looks different. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I love that picture. <laughs> well, you know, anytime you go to a, a new city, you always have to seek out the accordion players in the new city. <laughs> Because there's only a couple in each city. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else was really cool about this trip is that I decided to only pack Strings Attached VIP poster tour shirts. That's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a roller coaster as you're saying it. I'm like, oh, you, you only packed posters oh shirts poster shirts okay (laughs) no no i didn't bring the posters i actually just brought the shirts with the poster designs printed on them ah okay (laughs) (laughs) really but that's all the t-shirts i packed just those shirts i wore them every single day of the the trip just to kind of see if anyone would get reactions and i got a ton of reactions like a lot of people were just stopping me on the street and be like, I love your shirt. That's so cool. Weird Al rules. <laughs> it was really cool. That is so awesome. You know, I've definitely had a lot of people stop me when I wear Weird Al shirts in public. And, you know, Al's fans are just really nice, cool people. And they're just excited that other people are fans and excited to run into other people who are fans. So that's so awesome. So what shirts did you bring? Actually, I brought the one from Philadelphia, you know, the one with the Rocky and the sandwich on it. You know, of course. That one. <laughs> uh, that one. That one actually, I think, got the most love out of all the shirts. I think a lot of people are just like, because it's such a bright shirt. Yeah. You know, the design on it. And I think just people just saw it and they're like, what is that? And then they realized, oh, it's this Weird Al on it. Oh, it's a Weird Al, <laughs> you know, theme the Rocky 13 shirt. Oh, that's so cool, you know. <laughs> I brought the uh, St. Augustine one. That's the one with that really cool Dare to be Stupid design on it. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wore that one. I wore the shirt from the Red Rocks Amphitheater, the one with the Harvey on oh, it. Oh, on the, the, on the rock. The yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a cool one. Our friend Frank Sanchez has that shirt. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I had to bring 
the Smells Like Nirvana shirt from Seattle. Yes. Of course, the poster for all three of the Seattle shows <laughs> that we went to. <laughs> yeah, I had to wear that shirt three days in a row because it was three different concerts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and of course... I also brought one of my favorite ones, the one from New York City, the one with Al up on the Empire State Building, kind of as like a King Kong reference. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just randomly decided, you know, I'm going to bring just weird Al shirts and they're all going to be those Strings Attached VIP poster tour shirts. And it was such so much fun to have them out there. It was really cool. You remember like in elementary school and stuff, they had those word problems for math that you had to do. I feel like there could be a word problem for if Dave Rossi just grabbed a random handful of five shirts, what are the odds that they're all Weird Al t-shirts? I feel like we could calculate that, Dave. I guess we would need to know how many t-shirts I have and how many Weird Al t-shirts I have. Yeah, I wonder. I kind of want you to count them now. Go count them right now. All right, I'll let you know by the end of this episode how many I have. The interesting thing about it is if we actually did pull that experiment, I keep all my weird Al shirts, at least the ones that I wear, in like their own drawer in my dresser. Oh, so my God. If I was randomly <laughs> pulling T-shirts out of different drawers, then only the ones I pulled out of the weird Al drawer would actually be the weird Al T-shirts. But if I pulled them all out of that one drawer, then it would be 100% weird Al T-shirts. See, I never considered having a specific drawer just for my Weird Al t-shirts. And now you're giving me this great idea. <laughs> I mean, if, if I could come clean, though, I actually have two drawers of Weird Al. <laughs> Only two? <laughs> I would have expected at least seven. <laughs> and some spillover. And some spillover into other drawers. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so so you wore the shirts. What, any other Weird Al related things? I, I feel like wherever you go, even if you're not physically seeing Weird Al or a concert, you're going to find Weird Al references somewhere. Of course, all the time I see Weird Al references. Actually, you know what they do now in Las Vegas is they have these shops that they have people come in and they do like autographs and you can get pictures with them and stuff. And Every time Jackie and I go, Pete Rose is there. He's always at one of those shops. And I, I can't think of a Weird Al Pete Rose connection right now, but I did see like they had this convention in town and they had this private like signing for this convention that was in town. And two of the people that were there that were advertised, both Weird Al references, both obvious Weird Al references. Okay. You want care to take a guess? Uh, Dr. Demento. And Al's dentist. <laughs> very close. Okay. Very close. It was Coolio. Oh. <laughs> and Tone Loke. Wow. <laughs> and you didn't go and meet them, Dave? I tried so hard to get into the convention so I could see Tone Loke, so I could give him a Gil and Chill sticker. <laughs> That'd be amazing. He'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> and then you could go parody Coolio and <laughs> get him mad. <laughs> I almost did my hair up like Coolio that day, so that would have been a real like, weird coincidence. That would, yeah, you guys would have been like, "Oh!" But you know who I did actually get to give some official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast stickers to? Tell us. Two of my 
favorite magicians. I see them every time I go to Las Vegas. The great Penn and Teller. Wait, so you gave Penn and Teller Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast stickers? They were both really thrilled to get the stickers. And one of the reasons why we actually have the ampersand in our podcast name is because I am such a huge Penn and Teller fan that the ampersand is a tribute to them. I got to tell both of them that they were both very touched by hearing that. (laughs) That's so awesome. They finally made it now that their (laughs) ampersand has made it into a Weird Al podcast name. (laughs) (laughs) they can retire (laughs) i hope they don't retire (laughs) i love seeing them (laughs) well maybe we shouldn't have put the ampersand (laughs) i love that you gave them our stickers (laughs) you know when i was in vegas when i won the flyaway contest for the mandatory fun tour one of the things i had to do was go to the pawn stars pawn shop did you go while you were there No, I didn't go to the pawn shop this time. I've been there before, but I did go to Rick's Art Gallery. Oh, did they have any Weird Al art? You know, I looked around and they didn't. (laughs) Not surprised, but, you know, I got to (laughs) ask. Do you remember that episode of Pawn Stars where they had that authorized Al book that they bought? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I remember seeing that still for sale when I was in Vegas. I saw it too. I actually asked them if I could could take a look at it pretended i was interested in buying it yeah you know and they're like sure and i was slipping through it and it's you know clearly it's a used copy of the book you know and i asked them what their asking price was and they said they wanted six hundred dollars for it yeah maybe for seven of them (laughs) i know when i was so surprised they actually paid 450 dollars for that book i politely told them i said i think you guys overpaid for this and of course they they didn't care that I wouldn't <laughs> Little do they know, one of the <laughs> foremost experts on Weird Al memorabilia is telling them, like, they should have called you in on the show. Right. I was waiting for that phone call. I was, like, watching the episode. I'm like, up, oh, my phone's going to ring. And they're going to say, hey, Dave, can you come out here and uh, give us an appraisal of this book? I would have told them that they probably could have sold that book for about 50 to $60 yeah. in the condition it was in. If it was brand new, you know, like the spine had never been cracked, you know, maybe $100 they could have got out of it. But, I mean, that they paid $450 for that is insane. That guy got such a good deal. I think I should sell some of my copies to them. I was thinking, you know, next time I go, I'm just going to bring a whole bunch of Weird Al stuff because they obviously love to overpay for that. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, I thought it was kind of appropriate that we brought up that authorized Al book because that is probably the most iconic book about Weird Al that is out there. Yeah. But of course, on this week's episode, it is all about the brand new book about Weird Al, which is going to be another one of those must-have books for Weird Al collectors. The incredible book, we got to read it in advance, Weird Al Seriously by Lily Hirsch. It's available for pre-order right now. It's coming out on March 15th. Before we get to that, though, there's some other important Al book-related news we'd love to share. That's right. When we were talking to Bermuda off the air, he let us know that he is publishing a book of old, unseen, black-and-white photos of Weird Al. Well, 
there's actually some breaking news on that that he's letting us share with you, our listeners. That book is expected to come out this July, and pre-orders are expected starting in March. That's like a couple days away, Dave. I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, of course, we don't know the title yet, but once we learn that information, we will absolutely be telling you guys here on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. And as soon as we have information about the pre-order and the official release date, we're going to let you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure this will not be the last time that we mention Bermuda's book on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to see all those rare photos from Bermuda's archives. I know he has posted a couple here or there on Facebook, and they are just incredible. So I really can't wait for that to come out. All this talk about books. There is yet another book. Really? Yeah, all these great Weird Al books that are coming out inspired me to do a book of my own, and I am planning to publish it. Now, it's going to be a book of old, unseen, black and white pictures of vegan Mexican food. This week's episode brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla burrito. Burrito, come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito 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 Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a burrito burrito burrito, but every burrito burrito can be burrito burritoed. Head on over to shop.2000inch.com to pre-order my book. As we mentioned, this week's episode is The Great Lily Hirsch. She's written a bunch of really great books. We were so lucky to get the book a few months ago, so we had plenty of time to read it before we got to speak with her. We're so excited for this book to come out. Without further ado, let's check out our interview with author Lily Hirsch. So we are so excited to have on the line the author of the brand new book, Weird Al Seriously, Lily Hirsch. Welcome to the podcast, Lily. Thank you so much. It's so such a pleasure to be talking with you both. Yeah, we've been talking about this interview for so long, so we are so excited to finally be doing it. And the book's coming out very soon. Yes, March 15th, the Ides of March. Oh, no! <laughs> perfect time. Perfect time. March perfect is, time. Oh, good. is the, the perfect time for a Weird Al book to come out. Dave and I were super lucky to get some early copies of the book, and we absolutely love it. So we want to ask you all about it. We want to hear about your career and everything that went into writing the book. So I guess maybe let's let's start from the beginning. Okay. How did you get into this field? Uh, well, musicology, I actually was, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be an opera singer when I was younger. Um, so I majored in music, um, and I wasn't quite sure what I was doing with music. I wasn't sure if I had enough talent to make it as a singer. That's an awful tough career. And I also loved history. I loved writing. So I ended up majoring in music history. Um, and a degree in music history, that's not going to get you very far any job really. So (laughs) I I decided I better get a PhD quick. Um, And so that's what I did. Um, And during the course of that, uh, I really discovered how much I love to write. Um, uh, And I was writing about uh, rather serious topics um, like music during the Holocaust, um, music and criminal law, And somehow that led me here to Weird Al, seriously. (laughs) It's the obvious next step after the Holocaust and and prison system is Weird Al. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a punchline, only you can't quite tell what the joke is. 
Yeah, I'll be going back to my um, graduate school in May. They asked me to come talk about my recent work. And I said, oh, so you know I'll be talking about Weird Al. I don't think they knew that. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> me too. I want to be there. <laughs> that is a lecture I want to attend. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I actually am starting to do some lectures on this topic. And it is such a new area for me to be lecturing on. So I'll be doing a book talk at my local university here, California State University, Bakersfield. And they're so nice. They're going to be supplying what I think is an appropriate menu of cheese pizza and Twinkies, which I've never <laughs> seen at an academic book talk. Amazing. <laughs> right? I'm really looking forward to that. So it's bring your own wieners for the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No spray cheese. Okay. No spray cheese. Yeah. It's good to note. Good to note. Yeah. B-Y-O spray cheese. Does that work? <laughs> I mean, that's how all parties are at my house, so... Oh, you know how to party. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but seriously, um, all my topics have dealt with categories of music. So I've taken on categories around uh, Jewish music, um, fixed categories of gender, um, those sort of problems of, of prejudice around music. And I felt like the divide between serious and humorous music is a problem. So I wanted to write about funny music. Funny music is often somehow dismissed. Uh, even though it takes an awful lot of knowledge to be able to flip it comedically, it is a serious art form. Um, so I do think all of my my um, research does relate together, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and so where where does the idea for writing Weird Al seriously come from? What is the like the nugget, the seed of inspiration to start it off? Well, I had been wanting to write about funny music, that problem of serious versus humorous music. Um, and I was kind of looking for how to do that. And I talked with this editor who ended up being my editor at Roman and Littlefield. I saw it at a musicology conference and I just sat down and had this fun conversation with her about how I might write a book about funny music. And I said, you know, my dream would be Weird Al. Weird Al seems the obvious choice, the pinnacle of funny music. Right. Um, and she, she said, well, if you can get an interview with him, you know, we'll give you a contract. Let me know. Wow. So I got in. Yeah. <laughs> so I got in touch with her about five months later, once I got the interview um, and they got me the book contract. And all of a sudden I was writing a book about Weird Al. Um, <laughs> I also really, he was the perfect person to write about, not only because he's, you know, been doing funny music longer than anyone, um, but also because he's a nice person. I really wanted to write about a nice man. I was getting very um, caught up in all of these scandals within the music industry in Hollywood yeah. about men behaving badly, and it was very demoralizing. I was getting kind of depressed about it, and I was writing about powerful women, but I wanted to remember... Uh, for the sake of maybe my marriage, you know, <laughs> remember that there are nice men also. Um, so, so that was a, a a nice reminder there. I hope for a lot of people, I, I write about Weird Al's niceness, and I was very happy once I met him to to find out that 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 reputation is is earned. He is very very nice. There's a whole chapter about it. <laughs> yes, there's a whole chapter about it. <laughs> So yeah, what was the timeline of you know being at this conference to getting the contract to talking with Al to now and how long have you been working on the book? It it went actually much faster than some of my other projects. It really swept me up, and I have to say the whole process 
was so much fun. I'm actually a little concerned it spoiled me for life. This project came together <laughs> so quickly. It was so fun. It was challenging. It was rewarding. And everyone on Al's side was so lovely to work with. I really can't imagine this happening again. Um, but I met with her. It was, I think, a January. Uh, and we had this fun conversation. I sent off a letter. I found Jay Levy's address. I snail mailed him a letter um, and I didn't hear back for months and months. Um, I cold called his management team I, uh, maybe several months later and they ended up, I think they must have reached out to Jay again, but somehow Jay wrote to me and said that we could do this interview, but he needed there to be a contract in place. So I got in touch with Roman and Littlefield and that said, I need a contract right now. I'm going to get the interview and they did it all. <laughs> they did it all really quick. And that summer, um, so if I had this conversation in January, I met with Al in July for the first interview and then I just was writing. So um, that it's been pretty quick, all of this, just in the last couple years. Um, so what yeah. what year did it start? Let me see. So this would have started uh, not last summer, but the summer before that. So it's only been about two years. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. So kind of right after the ill-advised vanity tour, essentially. Um. Yes. Yes. I, and yeah, I went to that tour uh, during that phase when I was trying to get in touch with Jay Levy. Um. Yeah. And that's right. Right around then. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it went really quick. Um, yeah, and that was quite the meeting. Finally getting to meet Al um, was quite the experience. I've interviewed people before, um, but I was so nervous in this interview. I was so uncool, you would not have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a great experience. That was the first time you met Al was when you interviewed him? Was this the first time? Yes. Hey, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know, it was like to actually meet Al and interview him? Yes. Um, okay. So I have interviewed people before, but there was something about interviewing Weird Al. Just he's so larger than life. You see him on the TV and then he looks like that in person and he's <laughs> tall. You know, it's a lot to take in. So I became very nervous. I was also nervous on the way down. This had come together rather quickly. I was preparing very quickly um, and I really wanted to make a good impression. Plus I was coming to his house and I've been taught that when you come to someone's house, you need to bring some sort of gift. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to bring to meet you, Al, <laughs> which was very challenging. I knew he was vegan. I didn't want to bring wine. I know he doesn't really drink. Um, so I was really agonizing over this. What did you bring? <laughs> I eventually decide there's a local candy store in my town here in Bakersfield and uh, this doer's candy. And I decided to bring him a box of those local candies. Oh. Um, yeah, I thought that was, I don't know, something, something unique. He probably doesn't come to Bakersfield for these candies. So I thought he probably has never seen these. I'll bring these. And I brought him one of my books so he knows that even if I appear very, very nervous, I actually can write. So <laughs> hopefully give him a little confidence right. in what he's agreed to. <laughs> but I did make the joke. I told myself on the way down, do not hand him this book and say, I hope you don't find any word crimes. So when you're nervous, that's, of course, the first thing you think of and the only thing you think of to say. So I did say that. I still regret that. <laughs> did he hand it back to you ever with uh, red marks in it or anything? 
<laughs> no, no, and I know he could have. I know he could because he did see a version of this book before it was published, and he gave me wonderful notes and dealing with grammar. He's so smart. I wish he had edited some of my previous books. It probably would be a little better. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, yeah, so I got to meet him. Um, I was nervous. The first thing I said when I saw him was, I am nervous because I have no poker face whatsoever. <laughs> um, but he was wonderful. You know, he's asking me, would I like something to drink? And I'm just so amazed he's let me into his home, you know, without knowing really much about me. Um, I, oh no no you don't have to give me anything and he's such a great interview subject i've interviewed other people that you know take calls while they're talking to you or or talk about things that are unrelated he was so fully engaged he was it really was a wonderful experience i don't know if i'm going to duplicate this again with anyone daddy did you speak with him on the phone before you met him or was meeting no. him Th that was literally the first time first interaction that was literally the first wow. what isn't that very trusting they invited me yeah right <laughs> down to his home. I believe it. you didn't have to get like a blood test or anything like that no no and it's really amazing because i've heard of other authors having to sign certain things within a contract uh, that the that the star or the celebrity or whoever they were writing about has to have some sort of say or veto power. Right, right. Um, but um, I had this interview permission form from the press and uh, Jay told me he would have tell Al to sign it and, and he did and there was no conditions. So I could be writing anything. Um, so they were very, very trusting. <laughs> um, which I found... <laughs> I found amazing. I mean, they knew I had some background in writing serious scholarship around music. So maybe maybe that was where the trust came from. Or or maybe he's had such a long career that they're just like, you know, nothing can touch him. I'm not, I'm not sure. But it was, again, it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, just in um, our interactions with Al and regarding the podcast, we're like, you know, is there anyone we shouldn't talk to? And it's, it's really, it's just like, there are no skeletons in Al's closet, so... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can ask him anything. He's going to have a great response. And, he, you know, he's not going to accidentally talk about the murder he committed or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's probably it. They knew there wasn't any terrible thing I could write about because there isn't anything yeah. terrible about Al. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe that was it. It must be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking back yeah. to. I don't know if you saw it, but the Al's behind the music. They basically try, yeah. you know, that show, they try to find some dirt on the celebrity. And I just remember that the, they couldn't find anything on Al. So it was just like <laughs> happy. Like, they were like, oh, no, his album didn't didn't go gold or something. That was like the controversy. You know, so. <laughs> yes. No, his music breaks with so many of these pop formulas and his life does, too. And it's just wonderful. So you, you meet Al for the first time. You're at his house. Yeah. Do you get to meet his dog? No. He said the dog was there. I didn't get to meet his okay. dog. I met his lovely wife. <laughs> and, I, and she was very sweet, very beautiful. I just appreciate so much about Al. His wife looked lovely. <laughs> It's a lovely home. A lot of people ask me, was his house weird? Did it look, I don't know what they thought it would be. But it's a really interesting mod. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they think he's going to have around the there house. There wasn't like a, it was this... a naked portrait of Ernest Borgnine hanging in his den or anything? <laughs> no. Oh, good. Yeah, or a bunch of bobbleheads. Or, I don't know what they thought. No, 
but it's this beautiful modern home and great art. And it was just, it was all, it was just a lovely experience. I do wish that I had been a little cooler. I did get to interview him a couple months later. And I, I think I was a little more together. Because, I mean, I was sweating. I was nervous that first time. Oh, I can imagine. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was this pressure. Plus, I have a son who's a huge Weird Al fan. And he was in kindergarten at the time. And my husband had just stuck a CD in my bag and said, you know, if you get a chance to get an autograph for my son, Grant, you know, go ahead. And I was like, oh, it's so unprofessional. I can't come and be like, hey, do you mind autographing this? But uh, I did at one point pull out the CD and kind of think about saying it. And, and Al just, I feel like he just knew what I was up to. He's like, you want, you want me to get a Sharpie? Aww. <laughs> Aww. I, w I was going to ask you about uh, that CD. Which CD is it? That's what everyone wants to know. Oh, really? Well, that's what I want to know. That's Do you want to know, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It was the, it was the Bad Hair Day. I've oh, the bad hair cool. Day. Oh, okay yeah very cool yeah so my what a great choice yeah my husband loves yeah and well yeah my husband has that one uh, he had that at the ready and and my son loves the hairdo oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool so as far as this first interview at Al's house, how long would you say you're chatting with him? Oh, so I had to clear a certain amount of time and I had I think I had two hours at my disposal wow. but I I ran through my questions pretty quick just out of nerves. And I couldn't, you know how you ask a question and based on what the person said, you think of something else. Right. My brain had kind of locked <laughs> down. <laughs> so once I made it through my questions, uh, which, which, I, which were the questions that I needed, but I couldn't think of any off the top of my head just because of the nerves. Right. So, so yeah, so I think I ran through it. I was probably like an hour and a half and I was like, well, I guess I'm done. Um, so. <laughs> Well, that's good that you didn't just yeah. like BS and like make up weird questions just to fill the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But if I'd had my wits about me, because as soon as I left his house, I'm thinking of more right, questions. Right. That would have been so good. So, yeah. Of course. Like, oh, darn it. <laughs> but it was great. And I got to do a follow up with some some questions. So I, I had my main ones yeah. covered. So, yeah. So that was... Yeah, so that was perfect. Yeah, they were great. Jay has been wonderful. And Bermuda has also been a big oh, help. Oh, I can they, imagine. There were so many people that helped. Oh, my gosh. He was so he was very trusting, too, sending me all kinds of material. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, everyone's been great. Oh, and Kelly. And you guys know Kelly Phillips, who did the art. Yeah, you know, we, we first heard about the book when we were in Philadelphia with Kelly. And she, she showed us, like, an early sketch. And we were so thrilled, even then, to read the book. So we're so excited for it to come out. So how did you get together with Kelly to do the cover work? Well, just, you know, from research, I had uh, some knowledge that she had done this comic book around uh, her love of Weird Al. And I had this idea for a composer's bust, only it's Weird Al's face, kind of to deal with this serious, <laughs> humorous music divide. And I thought it would be so cool to have someone do that who really loved Weird Al, who was a great artist. And I, and I thought of her. So I just reached out to her. I, I didn't know her. Um, uh, but she agreed and she worked really uh, well with the publisher on uh, their kind of vision of what color and what 
fonts would work best. Mm -hmm. And um, and she's also been very nice. So part of all of this, I have this history with university presses and academic presses where there's not a lot of publicity involved. But for this book, I worked with uh, Roman and Littlefield and they wanted me to get on Twitter and get out there and really promote this, something I don't have a lot of experience mm -hmm. with. Um, so I, I did get myself on Twitter and uh, <laughs> Kelly was... Kelly's been very sweet giving me tips on oh. how people use Twitter. <laughs> Which has been really nice. Artist slash so social media this. advisor. That's great. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's my social media advisor. Very sweet. So what tip can you share with us how to use Twitter? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What have I learned yes. so far? I don't fully understand hashtags yet i did a hashtag weird al seriously i don't know if it's working <laughs> um i recently figured out gifs i wow. found a little gif of uh serious black and then it says seriously and i thought oh maybe i'll pull in the harry potter fans if i say weird al and then put this gif i don't know if any of this is working <laughs> um <laughs> My, I think my tweet that's gotten the most interest has been about my dog. So <laughs> I don't really know what works yet. <laughs> On your website bio, you do mention owning a pencil eating dog. I feel like as a as a yes. writer, as an author, a dog eating the pencil is it's a very bad thing. No, I have a very bad dog. He's actually <laughs> the most lovable dog, but he causes so much trouble. He is. He is a poodle, and I had him as a poodle before I knew that much about poodle hats, so that's a fun coincidence. And uh, his name is Harvey, but he's not a hamster, so that's also fun. Um, and he uh, he's so sweet. He has no aggressive skills. He cannot defend himself, um, but he gets himself into so much trouble. He bought he just a couple weeks ago. He ate a whole candy bar, dark chocolate, oh, no. and to take him to the emergency oh, vet. No. Oh but Harvey. nothing kills him <laughs> i know that's that's what i'm working with <laughs> so he's my writing companion but he causes a lot of trouble <laughs> well just like harvey the right. <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know i actually want to go back uh, a little bit in our conversation to your first interview with alan i was curious how your interview was structured you know were you already deep in the research in order to come up with the questions or was this sort of a beginning for you it was a combo i didn't know if i was going to get another interview but this was very early in the process so i was doing my best to go through everything i could get my hands on um, to make sure i i had all the questions um, but that was kind of an impossible situation right. but i i ended up kind of having an idea of what the book would be structured like and the main themes um, so i did end up covering a lot of the questions i needed to cover um, but there were some things, you know, further along, uh, you know, that came up. Um, so it was it was early in the process, but I also needed to hit everything just in case. Um, so, yeah. So I don't I yeah, I I did a little bit of guessing there, but um, most of the most of the stuff I needed, I got. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how much time I would spend on certain topics like gender, um, but um toxic masculinity had come up in the first interview so that was kind of lucky 
Um, there were certain things like that that just kind of worked out. Now you also had access to Bermuda, who is Al's archivist. Mm-hmm. He is, if anybody knows yeah. more about Weird Al than Weird Al himself, that is Bermuda. So <laughs> what kind of access did you have to Bermuda and what kind of stuff did he share with you? Well, I through all of this, I was really careful not to push it too far. Everyone was so nice. Jay was so nice. Al was so nice. I didn't ever want to ask for too much where they got sick of me. Um, so with Bermuda, he was very helpful early on, and I didn't, I just did not want to take advantage of anyone to the point where I became a nuisance. Um, so I probably could have asked him for more, but he sent me uh, discs. Um, uh, he said he had all of this material at his house, and I was ready to drive down, like, let me come to your house. <laughs> um, but he said, you know, that it would be so impossible to go through all that, and he ended up putting a ton of stuff on discs. And he mailed it to me, all of these files of all kinds of stuff, old letters and lots of pictures. And um, and, and that was amazing. Um, so that was a great help. And then later in the process, um, I wanted to know more details about uh, the sound matching process and some of the details of the music. And then I asked to interview Bermuda and he was great, giving me all kinds of uh, great details about the music and about his. I also used him as an informant about just how nice Al is, you know, what does the band think of working with him? <laughs> Tell me the dirt. <laughs> there is no dirt. Spoiler right. alert, there is no dirt. Um, so he so that was the main the main step. He sent me those discs, which was great. Um, he also kind of uh, told me who I could ask for permission for some the photographs, um, so which po- uh, pictures I wanted to use in the book. Mm, so cool. um, he did all that for me. He was he was wonderful. Again, everyone around <laughs> uh, Al is nice. The fans are nice. It's just I, I'm going to miss all of this. I want to write this whole book again. <laughs> What was your experience in, in researching for the book? Like, where do you start? Yeah, and it, it was an overwhelming process at first, honestly, um, because I'm a sort of person that likes to over-research, over-prepare. I need to know everything before I start writing. And I'm also someone who came to Weird Al a little late. Um, I was very involved with classical music. I wasn't aware of popular music. But, of course, in being that way growing up, Um, I was the perfect Weird Al fan. You know, I was doing my own thing. I was very different. I was like a Weird Al fan before I realized I was a Weird (laughs) Al fan. Um, But in preparing for all of this, um, yeah, I had a lot of work to do. So I was just going through every single CD listening and I had a notebook and I was writing down, you know, I would look up the lyrics. So I was listening, you know, made sure I know the words and I'm listening to music. I'm taking notes. I'm trying to identify themes. Um, that took a long time. I was doing all that. And of course I would do it all again. Then I got to, you know, I've got to watch UHF. I've got to, um, <laughs> take, and I'm there with my notepad. Um, it was fun. This sort of research, you know, I've done some heavy research around other topics that I, that don't involve my family, but all of this research, you, know, my kids are out involved watching all this. I've got my notepad. They're loving it. Um, what a cool mom. <laughs> although my daughter was my daughter was very concerned that the flying dogs that could not fly in UHF were gravely injured. There were some moments I had to explain. So it wasn't all fun for the family. Um, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to watch and listen to everything I can. Um, thank goodness I already had seen the Captain Underpants movie, thanks to my son. So I heard that song. <laughs> uh, 
And then I'm trying to get my hands on every interview he's ever done. I want to hear every, I don't want to ask the same questions that he's already been asked. You know, he gets asked these questions over and over again. He's a great interview subject. I need to be a good interviewer. So I'm, I'm uh, on t YouTube just looking for all the interviews I can and going through databases of newspapers, looking for old um, newspapers. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, then I'm trying to understand the place of these different artists when he was parroting them. You know, what was the popularity around Nirvana, that grunge phase, and, um, you know, all of these cultural moments that he takes on. I've got to understand those cultural moments if I'm going to talk about how he responds to them, how he flips them, or how he extends them, or whatever he does to them. So it was, yeah, it was quite an education in Weird Al, but also quite an education in popular music. Right. Now, one thing that Ethan and I really enjoyed about this book is how well-researched it was. And you did make a you know, reference earlier to all these obscure magazines and interviews you did. Now, I'm a big collector. I have a huge collection of Weird Al magazines that he's been in and interviews that he's done. And you found interviews that I had no idea existed. So, <laughs> oh, good. So I was really oh, excited to read a lot of the, these, these quotes and, and questions that Al had been asked on these other interviews. So, I mean, where can I find these interviews? Everything, most everything I found online. Some things I found on databases through the university where I could look at older newspapers. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, but a lot of things were just YouTube, just getting my hands on YouTube or, or just Google searches. But, um, uh, I, yeah, I tried to leave no stone unturned because I can't, you know, write a book about Weird Al and not know what I'm talking about. So um, I really I really tried to get through them all. And it's really interesting to see how consistent he is and, and how he responds to a lot of the same questions. Mm. And um, it was it was fun to fun to see that. Um, I also noticed certain patterns, uh, uh, how he kind of resists some of these real grand takes on his music. Um, you know, when I'm trying to ask him about his legacy and he says, I just hope I'm known as someone with nice shoes. <laughs> um, that was very consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if someone was going to ruin the humor in music by trying to make it overly serious, it wasn't going to be... It wasn't going to be Al. Right. That's, that's my job. I'm here to ruin the fun. Now, in, in your research, was there anything that you were just blown away by? Is there an album that is just your favorite Weird Al album? Or is there anything that, you know, really reminds you of, you know, the type of music you're usually listening to, like the classical stuff? Oh, let's see. Um, I was very impressed with certain songs. Um, I don't know if I relate it back to that sort of thing, but um, let's see. Like... Uh, Trapped in the drive-thru, I think, is a very, very impressive song <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Musically, it is. It's very long. The way he's able to match some of these um, kind of flourishes, melodic flourishes that R. Kelly does is impressive. I think vocally it's impressive. Um, but I was really impressed how, uh, with how he seems to take on artists like R. Kelly. Um, he seems to... Uh, inadvertently or maybe on purpose he won't tell me take on these artists like nelly and r kelly and robin thick who have these songs that are so hypersexual and hypermasculine and you know offensive and then he flips them into <laughs> you know a grammar right. lesson right. or a 
we're going to get you know to go into the drive-through and and i just loved it and i found these songs remarkably empowering i just love that he took these problematic songs and just kind of destroyed them in these wonderful ways and made them you know normal an argument between a, a man and a woman about who's going to take the trash out so um i found myself really responding to those songs personally now, how do you feel about you know, there, there's certainly with uh, Al's most recent tour, the strings attached to her, there was a, a clear decision by him not to play any of the Michael Jackson parodies. And, and of course, when the R. Kelly documentary came out, people started to question, you know, can we still listen to Trapped in the Drive-Thru? You know, can Al's work stand on its own? Or when these things come out about the artists that he parodied, is it something that we need to take into consideration? Well, let's see. I think that... I think parody never really stands alone because it always calls that other work into question. It's a dialogue between all of these working parts, um, Al, but also these other artists, the other characters in the music. So I don't think they're you can ever really divorce them. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't think we need to stop listening to those songs, especially because oftentimes Al offers his own spin. And in some ways, I think... Uh, uh, his trapped in the drive-through is the perfect mute R. Kelly moment. He replaces R. Kelly's voice with his voice, and and R. Kelly ends up that song ends up looking as ridiculous <laughs> and over the top and hypersexual after you know as it should uh, through uh, Al's treatment. So I think it's kind of the best criticism in some ways. Um, um, I respect that Al's so careful not to offend people so that he, he chooses not to do in the latest tour. He didn't do um, eat it uh, because he because he doesn't want to offend people or, or, you know, force them to think about these darker things. And I respect that. Um, and, and he's been careful with other songs um, like uh, Trigger Happy in the wake of you right. know, shootings or. Um, or the Nirvana parody um, after um, Kurt Cobain's death, but um, I don't, I, I don't think he, I don't think we need to give up on those songs because it creates a very interesting dialogue, especially the trapped in the drive-through. I see that as, as the ultimate criticism of R. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> To go back to what you said about Al being nice and the fact that you know he does not try to offend people, you, there is a whole chapter in this book about some examples where he does, you know, kind of poke fun at the songs, you know, in a particular, you know, mm -hmm. like you know, "You're Pitiful" or you know, "Achy Breaky" yeah. song, or even the unreleased, you know, "It's Still Billy Joel to Me." He does have these instances where he does kind of poke fun at the original person, but the way mm -hmm. he does it is such a playful type of way. Yeah, I, yeah, it's all very light. And even, you know, I'm reading this Trapped in the Drive-Thru as a sort of criticism, but it's not overt. I mean, that's my reading. Um, none of this is very overt. There's always kind of like this deniability in parody um, because there's so many different things going on with parody where it's, you know, it can be seen as tribute, it can be seen as homage, it can be taken at face value or not. Um, and that's happened throughout Weird Al's career where people... Um, don't always see the point if he's intending a point um, because there's so many different ways to read uh, a song like with trigger happy that's a great example of a song where he is kind of trying to make a point and he doesn't always make those sort of political points but he's trying to take on gun violence a little bit 
Um, and some people have read that song as a celebration of guns. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I think there's, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of deniability just in parody. And, and with uh, Weird Al's persona, him being so nice, it's hard to get mad at Al, even if there is a little heavy hand like You're Pitiful or the Billy Joel or um, um, songs like that, um, uh, the Billy Ray Cyrus uh, take. Um, yeah, it's just who could get mad at a rainbow? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I think he gets away with a little bit, and he also doesn't mean to be mean. So um, I think that's that's the truth. So one super super cool aspect of your book is the foreword was written by Doctor Demento. Oh yes, how have we not talked about Doctor Demento? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I think getting a al's interview and getting the permissions for that made me very brave so then i thought well let's see what else i could ask for so i got in touch with dr demento and he agreed um to write this forward and it's wonderful um and he's been a wonderful um person to be in touch with um we're trying to get him involved right now i'm trying to bring a little more uh, weird into academia into musicology mm. right now and i'm organizing a uh, symposium it's going to be at ucla in october um, and it's going to feature music that's seen as eccentric or weird or different a little frank zappa maybe some punk music um, and we're hoping to have dr demento speak at it so we're talking with him cool. about that um, now yeah he's he's wonderful and he's found this spot in the world of music that no one else has he got his master's at ucla um, in this, the very beginnings of their ethnomusicology program. And then he became this DJ um, focusing on obscure music and these novelty records and funny music. And there's no expert on funny music like yeah. Dr. Demento. So, um, yeah, I want to hear from him. I want him involved in everything I do. <laughs> and I'm so glad to write this forward. Maybe the next <laughs> book is all about Dr. Demento. But Weird Al writes the foreword. <laughs> don't even tease me. I, you know, uh, you guys don't even know. I've already brought it up. Can I write your biography? But he apparently is working on something already okay, right okay. now. So, um, yeah. So he's got he's got it covered. Yeah, he's a good writer oh, with yeah. his masters. So he, yeah, I think he's going to do an autobiography. I hope so. Yeah. Wow, that would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah, he has such a knowledge, and he's come in contact with so many different characters and comedic music over the years. So. Yeah, I, I can't wait. There is one story in the book which I laughed at when I read about it, and that was you mentioned that when Al writes his lyrics, sometimes he becomes a zombie to the point where, you know, he's he's <laughs> spending several days or weeks where he's not even, you know, focusing on anything yeah. except for the writing. Is your writing style similar to that? I, I did relate to that. Um, I think it's a little different writing, you know, his creative process than, than my sort of writing. Um, but I do do that. Um, so I, I definitely, I had to put that in because that was so relatable. <laughs> I don't get away with it in the same way. Um, before I had kids, I would have weeks when I was involved in writing where I didn't think about anything else. I didn't even know where I was. 
Um, but now my kids don't let me do that because they need food and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff. So they live. So then I have to uh, pay a little more attention. But that was very that was very relatable. And I do. I actually love that. I don't know how to meditate. But when I write, I get so focused and I love just kind of being able to stay in that rabbit hole. And with this moment, I should also say I'm sorry for some of the terrible jokes in this book. I think to uh, doing this topic uh, it started to make me think I was funny by association. <laughs> so I stick in some of these jokes that are so bad and I just couldn't help myself. They're like the so bad it's good, I hope, but maybe just so bad. Um, like the section when I'm talking about his hair and I did the curls just want to have fun. I found that <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but I feel like I might need to apologize to some readers for that. <laughs> It's okay. Being a fan of Weird Al for so long, I can appreciate the humor and the puns and stuff, so I, I enjoyed it. I don't think they're Al-level good puns, but I just couldn't help myself. I was inspired, if that's the right word. I think something would be missing if we didn't have your puns in the book. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad. Did you like the Alcademic, too? Someone else gave me that one. Alcademic. Oh, I loved it. Any kind of Weird Al-related pun is just, that's that's my bread and butter. I love that. I, I totally, I totally agree. And it's so fun to deal with that sort of thing. Those parodies that my kids' teachers have let me come into the classroom now and teach these kids about parody. And, you know, everyone likes parody. It's such a great sort of humor. So I've... I just this week got to go into my daughter's third grade class and teach him about parody. And every kid had uh, got to write their own parody. There Whoa. was a lot of popular. It was so fun. There was a lot of popularity around that old town road. We've got oh. old pet store. <laughs> Going to take my dog to the old pet store. Oh. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I see a lot of people, you know, I, I, a lot of articles and, and people saying, Al has to do old town road. I, Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah it's the obvious. It's the obvious choice. It would be a crowd pleaser, but that, where's the fun in that? Right. Not, yeah. There's nothing obvious not... about Weird Al. We gotta. No. No, like with the word crimes, you know, there are a lot of people doing different versions of that blurred lines, and then he comes in and makes it a grammar lesson. He had to go a different route. And uh, the superior route. Uh, it, oh. It's just. It's such a brilliant song. And I mean, as a writer, oh, yeah. I mean, you must vibe with that song in a special way. Oh, oh yeah. Actually, when I went to the third graders, I brought that song in and said, we're going to do a grammar lesson. And we, I went through it and I hadn't gone through it that way. And like, let's go through these actual grammar points. And it was so wonderful. All these kids explaining to them the difference between the literal and figurative. I was like, have you ever said, I am literally starving? And all the kids are like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're not. And that's a word crime. I mean, it was great. I, I don't know how often I've been able to intelligently talk about hernias or, or pancreases just because of Weird Al's <laughs> songs. Oh, yeah. He does this great research, doesn't he? he and does. informs us about all kinds of topics like ducks. So much knowledge there about ducks. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he does his homework. He does his research. I had to be very informed when I came with my interview questions because I knew who I was dealing with. This is someone who does his homework as well. So this is just, I guess, for me, what book of yours did you give Al? <laughs> I was 
I was very torn about that's a funny question. Um, I was torn about that. I decided to go with my music in American crime prevention and punishment, which is, you know, I don't have any <laughs> kind of, I didn't have any light books or fun right. books or, um, <laughs> but, but it's an interesting book and it's, uh, so yeah, I went with that and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought I didn't want to bring him a book that dealt with the Holocaust. Right. I don't know why. <laughs> that's that's a second interview book, I think. A Holocaust yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, and I did have a clever one, you know, if he wanted my autograph. Sometimes when I someone wants the music in American crime prevention book, I'll say, Stay out of treble. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. So not that. Did you sign <laughs> that in Al's book? <laughs> no. Actually I think I did. Okay. I can't <laughs> I hope I did. <laughs> you know that that book does sound very interesting. I know this is a, a Weird Al podcast, but I I would love just a, a a quick overview of what that book is, just for when our listeners finish Weird Al seriously and they're looking to move on to the next uh, Lily Hirsch book. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know if this is the one, but it's. Um, I said I was interested in categories, and in this one, I was interested in the category music, that we often think that music has to be positive, that music makes us better, um, that music is transcendent. And those are all lovely ideas, but it's not always the case. Um, so I had read about um, music being used to repel teenagers um, you know, around a town square or uh, in front of a library or a store. If, uh, if, if, someone, uh, the, if the town or that store doesn't want kids around, they might play classical music. Hmm. Um, so I found that very interesting, and it was uh, this great moment of people saying, well, it'll make them better. You know, music sues the savage beast. But that's not what was happening. Uh, teenagers are reading classical music as something that's uh, that they're not a part of, and they're leaving the area. It's like marking space. Um, uh, so uh, I I thought this is an example of music that's not being used in a very a positive way. Um, and then there's a lot of others. The big one that I wrote about was rap lyrics being used against artists at court. Um, so oh, if okay. a, a rapper, yeah, if a rapper talks about some sort of crime, even if it's just generally talking about shooting a gun or whatever, that then a, a prosecutor might use those lyrics against them to prove that they committed an actual crime. Um, and that's very problematic because music is, um, a rap is not a literal text. There's so many reasons why a rapper chooses specific words that go beyond you know, confession or, um, yeah, some, something like this. Um, so that's another negative example. So all the chapters are around these different ways that music is used, not just towards positive ends. Um, and, and there's, it's all around us. Music's being used in so many different ways around us. So, um, yeah, that, that was that book. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, all of, all these books look really interesting. So, um, but I'm really glad that you wrote a book about Weird Al because that, that's my first interest in reading books is Weird Al related. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're easy to please then. I wrote a book about Weird Al. You are set. You're going to love it. It's my number one type of book. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, so Weird Al and cats. You're a cat owner. Right. What about a book about cats? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, a book about my cat, I think, is <laughs> is what I want to read. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe I could I could get on your good side and write a book about music and cats next. <laughs> I mean that that also sounds great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think that could work. Did yeah, you that's... ever see that album, Meow the Jewels? No. <laughs> oh, you've got to go find it. It's Run the Jewels. Only did they did a version with cats, Meow the Jewels. Okay. Oh, you're gonna love okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> so I know you're you're um, you know doing some press and obviously talking about Weird Al seriously, which comes out on March fifteenth. You know, do you have any idea what your next project's gonna be, or is are you just riding the Weird Al train for now? I have a few different projects going. I was thinking about doing a, a wider book about music and humor. I already interviewed uh, PDQ Bach, cool. Peter Shickley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he's another you know legend in this area. So uh, that's one project. I do also have another project going about the connection between music and insults. I'm calling the book "Insulting Music." Cool. Um, so I'm <laughs> so I'm always busy. I love to write. Uh, I love exploring the different ways. Uh, that music is treated and and these kind of different categories in music and I love championing music that maybe we are overlooking like humorous music um, so um, I'm always busy with something that's so awesome Th- those all sound so so fantastic this has been so much fun Lily I really urge people to pre-order their books now Weird Al seriously it comes out March 15th and we can follow you on Twitter right? You're, <laughs> you got a yes, Twitter. Thanks to Kelly. <laughs> thanks to Kelly. I'm kind of doing Twitter. <laughs> it's very exciting. We can see all your great Harry yeah. Potter gifts and, and your hashtags. Oh, yeah. And uh, of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can head over to lilyhirsch.com for more information about Weird Al Seriously and your other awesome books. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys. I appreciate this so much. It was so much fun talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on. We want to extend a huge, huge thank you to Lily Hirsch. We had so much fun chatting with her. You know, after the interview, we challenged Lily to take a picture of her with her poodle Harvey on her head, just like the poodle hat cover. And (laughs) (laughs) she promised she would. And she tried and she sent us this amazing picture. She's having trouble getting (laughs) Harvey to balance on her head, but she sent this great picture of Harvey and her together and a picture of Harvey in the background. And if you haven't seen that photo, head over to our Facebook group or social media to check it out. And of course you can check out Lily at lilyhirsch.com and on Twitter at Lily E. Hirsch. And don't forget to pre-order her book everywhere books are sold, including Amazon.com. Let's help Lily get on the New York Times bestseller list for Weird Al Seriously. The book comes out on March 15th. It's called Weird Al Seriously. Pre-order it now. Absolutely. I know we are going to both do our part. Between the two of us, we should easily cover seven copies. And you know, we are going to have to ensure our purchases. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you in part by the Don Ferlazzo Allstate Agency in Clifton Park, New York. If you drive like crazy or are about to buy you a condo, Don Ferlazzo and his team can help you with crazy good auto, home, and renter's insurance. 
Plus, the Falazzo Agency can protect all of your favorite stuff, like your autographed Bad Hair Day CD that you got signed at Al's house exclusively for your young son. You may think your insurance is good enough for now, but don't wait one more minute! Find the Ferlazzo Allstate on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or give them a call, 518-278-3543, for a free quote today. The Ferlazzo Agency. We sell insurance! And that's all. Now, Ethan, after you're done insuring all of your valuable Weird Al stuff, I know you've got big plans for this weekend. Yeah, I am so excited. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I am going to be doing stand-up comedy shows with our friend Dave Hill, who we, of course, interviewed on episode 21-inch back in September. So on Thursday, February 27th, Dave and I will be at the High Low in North Adams, Massachusetts. On Friday, he and I will be at the Park Theater in Glens Falls, New York. And on Saturday, we will be at Proctor's in Schenectady, New York, where you and I interviewed the great Jonah Ray. And we cannot make it any easier for our listeners. This is the exact same venue that we did our live interview with Jonah Ray and our live screening of UHF, Proctor's in Schenectady, New York. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to start driving up there right now. And hopefully some of our fans are still there from our Jonah Ray show. (laughs) Each week we bring you amazing content like our interview with Lily, absolutely free. And we don't ask much from you guys in return. All we ask is that if you enjoy the podcast and you want us to keep making more quality weekly podcasts for your entertainment, please support us over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. You can support us there for as little as a dollar a month. Another way to support the podcast is to visit our special merchandise shop. You can purchase something from the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast shop at shop.2000inch.com. You can pick up a logo t-shirt, a Gill and Chill tote bag, so many awesome options. And don't forget to pre-order my brand new book. <laughs> <laughs> A huge thank you to all of our listeners, all of our subscribers, and everyone who follows us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at 2000inch, and thank you to all of those who have joined our Facebook group. And of course, a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You can become a supporter at patreon.com slash 2000inch. As always, you can find us online at 2000inch.com and make sure you share our posts, tell your friends about the podcast, tell your friends' friends about the podcast, tell your poodle about the podcast, and of course, you can leave us messages to play on the air by calling 347-SPATULA. And if you just have secret things you just want to tell Dave and I, or if you want to start a relationship with our intern Frank, leave us messages and just tell us not to play them on the air. That was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Please remember to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. This way you do not miss a single episode or any great insightful conversations that we have, like about what I'm wearing on my next vacation. Well, Dave, it is the end of the episode, and you did promise us to get a count on those t-shirts. All right, here we go. Ready? One... That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 43-inch.
BYO spray cheese? Does that work? 1,997, 1,999, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100, 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, 106, 107, 108, 109, 110, 111, 112, 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118, 119, 120, 121, 122, 123, 124, 125, 126. Dave, Dave, 127, 27, 27. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ah, oh, dang it, Ethan. Where were you at? <sighs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13.